Hey everybody, I'm back. Uh, b- big news here, or not so like uh, news. So uh, did not have a, I did not have a sauna. A couple, well, a couple of things. So this is the first episode where I've uh, <laughs> the in- intro continues, but uh, so I didn't have a sauna. I, the sauna, I guess, because it was like uh, almost eight o'clock. I don't know, you know, the person that runs the uh, workout area. Uh, you know, they probably left for the day at five or six, and of course they shut the sauna off because, you know, it's a smart, smart move. So, and then I started heated up, and I've learned this at most hotels, like, uh, you know, that don't, uh, and that, there's not, you know, saunas to die, you know, I, I don't know how many people are using saunas, and they have the infrared ones. Uh, I'll just stop you right there. I prefer the old school, you know, smells like wood. Or whatever. So the sauna wasn't working. So I took it. They they did have a steam room. And I said, well, maybe this sauna will be different. Maybe it'll heat up faster. So then I said, well, I guess I could have a steam. And you can probably tell by the tone of my voice, I'm not a huge steam room fan. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And though they may may have slightly changed just now. Also, my opinion of the that this is a motel probably changed uh, clearly because I'm talking about a steam room and a sauna. So I'll talk about that, and then I guess we'll get... I, I don't know, maybe this episode will be uh, just me chattering. But, uh, no, I think it will be about stuff. So, uh, so, so as I said, I'm not a big fan of steam rooms. And the reason is, like, uh, I just think about... Let's see, Andrew, how do I make this in a sleepy podcast? I just don't like... Uh, I don't know. Saunas are dry, and they feel like... Uh, like it, that it, uh, they feel... Uh, clean where steam is for me steam especially around uh, naked dudes uh it just doesn't uh the idea of the steam it, it combined with that just it, like uh it's funky and i'm uh, like uh, and maybe i'm like I'm like how hot does the steam get that you know hot enough or am I, what am i breathing in here and so I've always associated now. Now for a podcaster, steam room may be better because it may you know help the sinuses. Now my sinuses still stuffed. My my sinuses were stuffed when I came out. Like uh, when I came out, I think like I may be allergic to amb- like uh, I mean like they were like in the womb. My my nose was stuffed, so my my nose is still partially stuffed. But uh, I did really enjoy like so I had the steam room solo. Now, I had a plan. I was going to read the paper in the sauna, and I had ice-cold seltzer water, and I was like, okay, this is going to be good. But, you know, I just, this is a, this is the plasticity of, we talk about first-world problems, holy moly, but actually, I'm not really complaining. So, yeah, so, like I said, well, let's go for the steam now, and... uh a couple of things I learned tonight about the steam room. One, when you turn it on, it just goes. I mean, it takes a few seconds to get warmed up, but uh, it doesn't do any auto shutoff that I know about. Like, because I need it. Like, if I'm going to be in a sauna or a steam room, I want it hot and I want it steamy. I mean, I want my body like, uh, like I, I mean, the thing I like about a sauna is that it's just like, I, like when, once your you, your body hits this point where it just feels like all the pores open. And your body breathes, says, oh. And I don't know if a steam could do that because you got water. Like, I think the whole thing is, uh, you know, but whatever. I, I said, okay, Scoots, let's sort of go for the steam. You know, so we have something to share with the listeners. You can't, it can't come back like you. And, well, the sauna was, uh, 
So I got in there, and first I started on the lower level because I haven't been in a steam room in a while. Because, uh, like I said, and it did have the steam room, like it wasn't a a high funk factor. But I said, oh, well, uh, uh, like whatever. So I got in there, and it started kicking, and then I went up to the second tier. That's where I like to be in the sauna. I like to be as close to rocks as possible. Second tier. And, you know, full on, like, uh, like you know, a full heat. So I got up there, and this thing was really impressing me. I said, Holy, I said great job, Steam. You are really, you're really doing well tonight. Really uh, steaming up scoots. And so, like, it was impressive. It was impressive, and it was really getting warm. And my pores did feel like they were opening. And I don't know if anything was relaxing in me. I mean, I mean clearly... Probably some part of me was relaxing, like, uh, I don't know what, mu- I mean, my muscles aren't too tense, like, that's a weird thing, I I, I keep my, uh, I keep my stress, I contain it within my mind, it may, I mean, maybe my, like, uh, but yeah, I was in there, I, and then I said, uh, then I got the grass is greener sense, well, one, I guess this is why, like, uh, these are the, uh, some of my issues, one, I was like, uh, how long is this steam going to go for? Because as soon as it's going to be over, and then what am I going to, is, am I going to be able to reset it to get it, like, instead of enjoying the steam? I mean, I was trying. I was, uh, like, wondering when the steam was going to end, and if it was going to end before it got hot enough, and was, this, was the sauna going to be hot? What am I going to do if somebody comes in here and tries to talk to me? When am I going to, like, the, like the, so, so at some point I did bail, but I was pretty hot. Like, I had gotten, I wasn't at 100, like, I was at about 90 as far as my heat heat handling ability, and I said, "Well, I'm going to save ten percent for the sauna and read like I want to read and read the paper in there." So then I headed over to set sauna. It was only uh, I think it had gotten up to like seventy eight degrees. Like when I turned it on, it was sixty. I mean, that was a blow. I mean, it took my breath away. I said, six This thing will never get up to a hundred plus." So then I said, okay. So then I sat in the sauna. This was a bit ridiculous, but I said, well, maybe it'll be warm enough to dry me off while I read the paper. And then I started reading the, the paper, the newspaper they give you at hotels, and it realized what, what a folly that what that was. So I said, uh, hey, I read I read a couple things in there, but I like uh, I looked at the the pictograms or whatever the. Uh, I guess that newspaper is where they invented, uh, what are those things called? Infographics. So I looked at some infographics, and I didn't look at, I forgot to st- check the state-by-state news and weather. And then I felt like, I do, then I said, well, this isn't getting, I'm not even getting dry in here. It's so cool. I mean, it's warmer outside. It's raining, though. This is, well, we'll get to that. And then, so then I said, man, um... What am I gonna? What, 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 what's my deal? But uh, so then I let's see, let's see, let's unpack this. So then I um, what did I do next? Oh, then I got out, got out of the sauna, and then I got back in the steam room, uh, just to get to myself to a hundred percent. You know, hundred. I like to go to one hundred and five, but because you know, I'm trying to set an example. I only went to ninety eight percent heat level, heat handling level, HHL. And then I got out and showered off, and like keep their showers here. This is where I say, well, like they're not exactly. Uh, they're doing the best, I think. Uh, but and the showers don't get hot. I don't know. That's a new thing, though. People like to take cold showers. I think 
Or maybe my body was just so hot. But the two times, the other time when I took the sauna, I said, this shower's not warm enough. And I want it cool because I'm cooling down, but I don't want to uh, shiver. And actually, this was the right temperature. Um, and what I realized when I get, was there is that I said, well, geez, maybe you were a little, I didn't mean to hurt the hotel, motel's feelings. And again, I don't think it's actually called a hotel. It's called a resort. It And believe me, that's a stretch of the word. It's a, by the way, we'll be charging you. No matter where you get this room, you're going to be paying an extra twenty two fifty. dollars uh, Now they've gotten burned, I think, on the parking. So they don't charge you forty four fifty, like 20 for parking, and then whatever they charge for a resort fee. I think twenty two fifty is a going rate. And what I said to myself, I think I'm going to get my, like, I, I, get, I get the paper. I don't know what a paper costs now, buck. So I guess it's down to twenty one fifty. Then if you figure in the past they charged you for parking, as much as that, you say, well, that's worth five bucks, I guess, you know. And I would have said, I, I mean, I think the, the sauna I had was so good and I worked out. So that's like ten bucks if you go to a gym for a day. It might even be fifteen. So I've recovered my resort fee because, oh, then yesterday, because I was so exhausted, I also went swimming and it was cold out, uh, but it was like the pool was warm. So I, uh, I, I, I got, like I, I did that. So, so I've come around, I guess this is a, well, I guess this is a resort. I guess it's not a hotel or a motel. And what a resort means is the rooms are like a motel. It's a motel rooms. It's a motel setup. There's little motel-like buildings. I haven't eaten here, uh, but they do have they have sauna steam room. So that's already like uh, sold. Like I'm happy. And I, I get and then they have a pool, and the pool is nice. So I don't know what my problem is. I mean, I'm happy actually. Like I said, at the price I'm paying. Even with the resort fee, we're under a hundred dollars, and like Ray had said, and we're not just under a hundred. I think we're under ninety, or right around. And that's my, you know, that's my price. That's my sweet spot for. Uh, they say, okay, like, uh, you know, that should be at that price. You should get a decent, like you're getting a deal, uh, depending on where you're staying, you know. And this, uh, so I'm pretty pleased with that. Uh, I don't know if I have any other hotel comments. Um, I don't think I do. So what we're going to do tonight and next week is, uh, so like, uh, super dolls stories is, 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 uh, I want to do a review of that. But what I want to do is review my notes and the notes are usually for patrons only. So on the Thursday episodes, uh, the patrons get them a week early and there's a PDF with, uh, the pictures from my notebook of, uh, how I outlined and did the writing for the show. Uh, but the patrons that have had them for a while, and in the in in the um, in the name of fairness, what I'll do is I'll I'll put a free pa- Patreon post. So you still have to go to Patreon, uh, but it'll be a free post, and right around the time this episode comes out, and it'll have the show notes. Like first tonight, we'll talk about episodes one through six if we have time, and kind of review it because I've never done the reviewing of the notes before. So that gives a little bit of a new angle to see. And I don't really look at the notes ever again. I mean, I take pictures of them or scan. I use Scannable, uh, the Evernote uh, scanning app. But I don't ever um, uh, do like a post uh, analysis. And it'll be interesting just because this was like a different direction a little bit. And I was pretty happy. I was really happy with the first six episodes because that was like a little bit of a departure. 
and the second uh the, the rest of them i was pretty happy with but um so let me go get, i'm gonna get my notes and i'll be right back and then you know those of you that would be interested you could listen along and look at the notes so you just go to patreon.com slash sleep with me there's free posts uh and it should be the post with whatever this episode's titled. You'll know before I know. I mean, you'll know. I'll know before you know, but I don't know what it's going to be titled right now. All right, so I'll be right back. Okay, so I'm back here. Maybe I'll do a quick read-through of the notes. Uh, so we're talking about Superdoll Stories, Episode 1. And I guess the background of the uh, Superdoll Stories is like, so Superdoll was a, a like a, a series we did in the first year and a half of the podcast about a team of superheroes uh, passing time. I did, that was the, the conceptual thing before, you know, the idea that superheroes would just be waiting around for their call to save the Earth, and what are they doing? But, of course, I, I, like making stories without any conflict is extremely difficult, and so they worked in conflict in the season one. Um uh, but then I said, well, Jesus, there's a way, like, every, like, a lot of people were asking, Jesus, when are you going to do Superdoll again? We really love those characters. And I did like the characters too. And, uh, but I think, like, one, like, now that I've been working on it, like, some curiosities come up of why I didn't get back to it sooner. If I, because I do love the characters. But Superdoll Stories was a way to make it episodic where you could just listen to any episode and it's not part of a larger, it's part of the war- Superdoll world, and it has the Superdoll characters, but it's not uh, tied to any of the other stories. You can enjoy it on your own. And I think one of the reasons, one of the difficulties with this is that the cast is a lot bigger. And I think as I've learned by making the podcast over time, it's difficult with a larger cast because uh, I'm not a voice actor, but also changing voice and rhythm and things can be disruptive, but but I don't want to ever go away from that totally. But it, more of like just directing and writing of like, okay, like it, it's better to have the episode, you know, I, don't know, I guess I get to pay more attention with Star Trek of how they do it, of revolving around one or two or three characters, because obviously you can't have a character, like an episode with six or seven characters in the action. Uh, but when you only have like seven days of 30 minutes of writing time, it makes that difficult. Uh, because even improving a story with six characters, would uh, that would be almost impossible. So that's kind of the backstory about it. In episode one, I wanted to return to a character that I really love, Electra, who was the leader of the Superdoll team. So I'll just read through my notes. Uh, you really don't have to follow along. Uh, but the, the first page... Uh, uh, it says Electra Perfections Perfect. So I don't know if that is short for perfectionist question mark. Idea, uh, I don't idealist. She's uh, idealist. I think uh, holds on to resentment. Uh, practical. So this comes from. Uh, uh, I was basing this on what she would, where she would be on the enneagram. Actually, uh, uh, jealous is one of her positives, but can her positive negative is jealous versus competitive. Uh, she dreads judgment. Uh, truth and judgment. She's impatient. She can be a worrier. Uh, to get along, you can wish uh, someone like a perfectionist. I don't know what number that is, honestly, but uh, by sharing responsibility, by reassuring the person, by valuing their advice, 
uh, by apologizing when you're wrong, by encouraging them, uh, by trying to make them lighten up. Uh, as a child, perfectionists uh, criticize themselves. Uh, they'd rather not do it all, do something at all, if it then if it can't be perfect. Uh, they like to focus on adult expectations and hold back negative emotions. Um, so that was the first page. So then I started brainstorming. Like, uh, it looks like on page two I have Cub Scout leaders or PTA. Like, I was, or maybe this is things they like to do, or something with Robert's Rules of Order. And then I put this will be a good. This would be a good call back to Toastmasters because uh, uh, that was one of the first episodes was Electra leading a Toastmasters meeting. And then the next question I asked her, like trying to figure out, was what question could we try to answer about her? Because the idea of doing these backstories was that it would be just a little slice of life backstory, giving one uh, piece of emotional, just just doling out a little piece of information about the hero. And only, you know, this is a sleep podcast, so again, like, uh, that you just totally miss it. Like, it's not like you need to hear these stories even if you're an Electra fan, or that it's giving you a lot of backstory about the character, just a little slice of life. Uh, then I have uh, sensate the word, and then I have it uh, like a, like I put a box around it with another kind of pen. So obviously, as important as it equals uh, details, rules, traditions. Uh, so this is back to kind of the notes, maybe extroverted one leader imposes uh perfection so i went back to the enneagram uh feeling helping fostering uh inward anger fearful of critics uh judging something else i can't read uh, something organized and structured so then the next question was what made her so detail focused uh, so a cub scout meeting and then I said, ride home with your nephew. Now, these notes are being written uh, between, you know, different days. So I have a whole day of going to and from work or whatever, where story ideas are coming for me. So it's not like I'm just filling this in. Uh, but at some point, the idea of her riding to work with her nephew or somewhere with her nephew, like she's a Cub Scout leader, and we see some of her anger via some snarky or cynical kind of behavior. Uh, then there's something about her brother's criticism via his son and her defensiveness. At some point, I decided her name would be Elena. And I said, oh, geez, this could lead her to tell a story about her brother, him, about a past event. Uh, uh, at first, is like in a cynical way to kind of passively hurt her brother. Uh, your father and I, that was like, that was how she was thinking. I was just, she, she would tone it. And then when at first she sees herself, at first she sees herself as a hero, but then she's sad because she kind of realizes that she's kind of uh, uh, being like over anal. Then I said uh, something around food allotment, where parents or government is not giving them enough, but she's rationing uh, the food and she's very strict and proud of it. That, that was my first idea. I don't think that made it in the episode. Uh, but then the end of the, her whole story to embarrass her brother, the nephew says, why dad, dot, 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 question mark. Uh, so like he reveals something about his father, which she never knew, and she's shocked. So she has these feelings of I'm a heroine versus I cause people pain. 
So passive aggressive stark to aggression, uh, being anal as a reaction to circumstances versus being anal as uh, protective or hypervigilance. So this was on like Dan Harmon's kind of uh, uh, like saying, okay, so she's a her- she's a heroine uh, versus a causer of pain, and and that would be shaming kind of, and then she's anally pro- proactive in an anal way or uh, reactive. So proactive analness versus reactive, like perfectionism, I guess. And she needs what? So I'm still trying to find, and who is preventing her uh, giving forgiveness to her brother? Or what, was there something like she, she won't provide? Is she seeking forgiveness or relief uh, from shame that her brother won't give to her, which leads her to try and uh, save the Cub Scouts from the dual misery she feels and has caused? So still trying to figure out the tone of this, and then this leads to some sort of battle with the Cub Scouts, which leads her to a public battle, which at the very end leads her to kind of meet a shadowy leader who started his own youth organization, which she is perfect for. And this is a split. This, this could all be set against a backdrop of the fall of America, maybe at the stories. So that's when I started to be like, okay, maybe all these stories are right at this uh, turning point. Uh, when they get in, can we still not know he is the nephew? Okay, so then I was like, okay, maybe we don't know it. Like, should we confuse it with a nephew and son? And maybe they're even talking in the car. Did your father ever tell you I was uh, the first uh, uh, forced Cub Scout and all of New female Cub Scout in all of New York? Uh, and then the nephew says, "You told me, Annalena." Then I was doing like a uh, kind of a circle of different points. So leaving for Cub Scouts, prepping for a jubilee, finds out she hurt her brother and uh, has to apologize and clarify. And then the next plot point would be the brother uh, wants uh, forgiveness, uh, but she wants to clarify. She reacts and clarifies. She kind of is reacting to being shamed. Uh, she's uh, trying to be more helpful and perfect. Uh, and then maybe she goes and finds her. She, and then she discovers she finds her reactive nature hurts the people. She most something. Uh, then something relentless to save the Cub Scouts uh, because of the fall of us. Uh, kind of this idea of the younger generation, maybe. She'll find other ways to tell. Uh, sad they don't uh, sh- share her vision. Uh, she meets a, uh, somebody with a, a similar organ- youth organization. So that was like my first idea of plotting out the episode. Then it's okay, so Cub Scouts. She tells a story, uh, something about her heroism, the nephew. And her nephew tells how her heroism destroyed the father's marriage or caused an eating issue. Or he went to the other side, became a criminal, some brainstorming, quit his job, joined a cult, got a face tattoo, homeless, abandoned his uh, weather emotional research. So that was right when I stumbled on something. He is non-lethal emotional weapons because she, she has this emotional weapon, uh, Electra, like an empathetic uh, uh, feelings type weapon or superpower. 
Uh, and maybe he was trying to sell that to the U.S. government, and they blacklisted him because he didn't meet his commitments, which led to uh, the young man, his son's mom leaving, and then having to move in with his sister, uh, home with her brother. Okay, so I, I thought the government canceled your research. Uh, or what happened with your research? I gave up why. Uh, when I realized how much pain it caused me, it caused me. Once I realized that during the food rationing, you were manipulating me. So this is like dialogue that either got moved or didn't make it. Uh, when I look back at all my failures in my marriage, my job, my novel uh, about paper planes, my novel about paper planes, my love level letters to MIA. Uh, so even then, I'm having a little fun with myself. Uh, all leads back to that one moment of losing control to you. It's not really possible to trace all those things to one event. Uh, certainly feels that way. I'm sorry. I can't really forgive something like that. I'm sorry you feel that way. This moves to uh, what does she? What does she be more perfect? She delves into her brother's research and then tests it on the Cub Scouts. So I'm still coming up with plotting ideas. Uh, who do some sort of uh, fast combined with a march uh, for their Jubilee Expo. And they march. This could be a solo lead-up to the Cub Scout march, like uh, working in parallel on equipment and training Cub Scouts and getting her brother involved on some small-scale version. Uh, so he helps, but she's still trying to trick him, and this leads to some kind of disaster where she marches in with the Cub Scouts after so many miles with limited... I didn't like this was a little too extreme, with limited water, and she has the kids make a speech about survivalism or uh, have them... Uh, or how they have stored food for their parents and their houses. Uh, so this gets her kicked out, her brother uh, fired, and he realizes she's using some kind of mind control on the kids... And is this happening in public? So she's chastised, and there's uh, uh, still time to stock your larder to protect your love. So this seemed like it was a little bit too stressful for a sleep podcast. Like it would wake people up or, you know, stir up too many things, like if it's in a plot with action. So I, at some point, I changed direction. The time is coming. The time is now. And then here's my notes. Two on the nose. Uh, she should use... Uh, some Cub Scout project metaphor, like wax hands or sand arts. Uh, then she's booed out or something more subtle. So I was pushing myself because this is too too uh, direct. Uh, then as she walks out, there's a woman in a military uniform who compliments her on the marching of the kids and her vision. And it's a shame parents and leaders don't understand uh, things you need to... Uh, I understand that sometimes you need to control your emotions to put things in order, to protect people, to inspire the feelings of hurt, use those feelings, get them to focus. Working a training program uh, like this one, but for much uh, more gifted youngsters. So it's getting there. So then I replotted a story circle or whatever you want to call it, like uh Cub Scouts with nephew prep, prep for project uh, and finds out her big uh, story was hurtful to her brother, like stories in quotes, and uh, she's shamed but wants forgiveness, but the brother won't give her the forgiveness that she wants, and he piles on, so then she wants to clarify. 
So it's almost like selfish. Like she found out that she had hurt her brother. So she wants to apologize to relieve herself of that. So then she she doesn't want to, after her brother shames her, she doesn't want to carry that shame. So then she kind of uh, uh, searches for a bigger reason for her brother's giving up and his failure, that it's not her fault, uh, that she can prove he failed, but not, it wasn't because of her. And then she sees that she must be much more proactive to be, you know, save her nephew and the other kids from failure and the like uh, whatever's you know happening in society so she drills the cub scouts comes up with a plan but i still don't have an idea what the plan is then a disaster with the cub scouts and then the finish with the gifted youngster idea okay so then i outlined it again uh, open with a church basement uh, clearly the basement of a church you know when you see it uh, but why it's the metal chairs and the folding table, uh, the pillars and the poles holding it up. I could go on murmuring, uh, coming from one corner of the room as a circle of blue shirts already tucked into beltless jeans and elastic waistbands, uh, hunched shoulders, uh, six boys and five girls listen as the woman at the head of the circle of, of something, Cubs, or maybe I was trying to think of what, of chairs, uh, finishes her story, and that Adele, oh, and this is a story, uh, at the time it was Akela, uh, marched with a tribe across the plains, the great gathering, all the unions, and everyone stopped to watch in amazement, it's all walked in, a hand shoots up, Den Mother, is that really the story, uh, it's just a myth. Well, my father says your stories are like uh, a Kayla fan fiction. I have no basis in any real myths but your own. And then there's an amount of silence. Uh, hang, a moment of silence hangs in the air. The children try and process as the den's mother's brow furrows. What does your father do? Uh, he's a professor of indig indig indigenous folklore, a doctor. And he said you're projecting your fantasy on... She said, okay, uh, thank you. Now let's try and build a consensus around either the performance march or sand art, uh, as some of you uh, have lobbied for. So still not quite there. And because this is the first episode, I'd probably put more work into it because uh, there's like 28 pages of notes here. How to transition from the car. Okay, so I said, oh, what are we going to do? Okay, so like the meeting... Uh, something, us and the chairs getting folded. Oh, the meeting breaks up. The chairs are getting folded and sacked. And soon the dead mother emerges from the basement with one of the blue shirted boys. They get into, uh, something and, uh, tr truck, uh, faded red. Uh, that would have looked at home in some kind of off-road rally. The boy climbs in a booster seat in the back seat as they drive down the tree line, suburban street. The boy and Elena... Really like making up stories for each meeting, huh? Ex exactly stories, not f exactly stories, not fantasies. I don't uh, something enjoy making up the myths. Uh, I don't necessarily enjoy making up the myths as much. Uh, more efficient way for your child child minds to absorb what I'm trying to teach you. The uh, whole program is built around uh, indigenous American uh, takes. Uh, tribes, maybe? I can't read my writing. Tales, uh, tales. 
But yours are different. Uh, how? Uh, they are more sad or something. So this is a conversation with their nephew. Uh, I don't know why you have to make up uh, myths. Why not just tell one from your own life? Like uh, the one where I had to build a campfire and I was out of wood. Uh, building fire without wood would be a sad story, would it not? Uh, wood? Question marks are joking around. Uh, there was a time I became the first uh, female scout. I know, I know, uh, where is where something. I learned a lot of skills I used to help raise your father, like the time dot, dot, dot. Uh, and then the boy says, that story makes dad sad. Why does it make your dad sad? I taught him how to go without lunch at school. And the boy, and the boy says, eat an imaginary lunch, uh, uh, Dad would call you the sad bear. She is with her brother. Why did you abandon something? I was fired. Funding was withdrawn. So maybe there's like a missing, I don't know. He tells a story of trying to lose weight, or does he just go to uh, blaming her, or does she start to tell a story and then quits and then uh, just starts blaming her? So instead of accepting his shame, uh, she acts that it must be a broader conspiracy, which leads to a secret lab. So it's still like stuck here uh, that is still active. So we have the Cub Scout meetings and we have him saying, the boy saying, you hurt my dad and then forgive. And then her brother says, no, you ruined me. And then no uh, shame, uh, something else ruined him. Uh, she finds lab and another mystery, like her brother had stolen her, what, her hair, her toys. Can't trust anyone except me. I must protect by being proactive. I must protect the scouts. She has to give up some symbol of trust, something concrete. So this finally leads me to the story. And this somehow finalizes her more extreme view of America, the fall of America, drills the scouts Pushes them to the limits. Uh, parents and other adults are shocked by this. Uh, then meets a figure who normalizes and validates uh, her views and gives her the means to help train and protect a new set of youths. So now we're close. So Electra and symbols that connect her to the world or the past. So I'm trying to brainstorm, I think, again. Cub Scouts, pencils, food, brother, house, music, toys... Stuffed animals, some kind of trust. There we go. Then I found it. Some kind of trust object. Friendship bracelets or something imbued with her power. And this could be something small, some type of object. Wearable, question mark, that she has always given people she wants to protect, i.e. control on some level. And then her brother had extra ones of those. So does he sell them or sell her out at the end? Just handmade things, mare bra- bra- bracelets, uh, uh, friendship bracelets, j- polished uh, bravery stones with story. And then I find that I figured it out. And this could be the Cub Scout gift project. So then it just comes together. And this is probably like a right before, like the day before I recorded, where I was like, I don't know how. And then finally the story comes together. And then I say, okay, then at the Jubilee. Her brother exposes it when she's the most pop. It's the most popular item: hand polished stones, none of that tumbler garbage. 
always a polished uh, earthen object. Her, so her brother figures out during her brother's tri- tirade, something tips him off. Like that was a missing piece. Uh, he was convinced there was something missing with his uh, um, something monetized symbols or whatever, like a guru. Uh, he's a failure, thought leader guru, and blames his sister somehow. And it's a failed app maker, and when he realized it was not his method, but it was the pebbles in his shoe uh, that she had taught him about, uh, when business fails, uh, it was the actual pebble. These notes are kind of over. That destroys him, but also leads him to discover that uh, that it was the pebbles in his shoe, not the metaphor of the pebble in the shoe. So then I was like, her make a parable, a parable about this. Uh, this is going to work. And I say, so the shadowy government agent could be her brother's old co-worker. And then I was off the rails a little bit. They could be use the pebbles. Uh, brother makes uh, connecting something. And then that was the end of the notes. Uh, so somehow I used that 28 page of the notes to come out with the episode uh, that we ended up with. but So basically, I think, I haven't listened to the episode in a while, but so what it came together was, uh, what was missing was like, okay, what's the object going to be? Like the whole episode was supposed to be about a, like the tension between her and her brother and between being protecting, being proactive and protective and a perfectionist versus when you do that and you're hurting people in your life or whatever. But also, how do her superpowers factor into that? And how do her superpowers of and her personality kind of affect her relationship with her brother? And so the idea was that, okay, like her brother had to move back in with her, which is kind of like, uh, like as an adult in their like 30s, I'm imagining, and had to have her ra- help raise his son. Like, so his brother, her brother's kind of defeated reminds me of like a little bit of myself in some way. And so he's obviously not happy and she's like more of a dominant personality and successful. And then so she takes to like helping with the nephew. So then it was like trying to figure out, okay, what's it? So she's seeking forgiveness when she realizes that she like, I mean, it also is playing with the idea of like everyone sees themselves as heroes uh, so she always sees herself as right, but not in a, a, a um, in a humanizing way, like to try to be like, okay, these are all people just doing their best. So it's just really playing around with that. And then I was like, okay, like, uh, like she really just wanted to protect her brother, but by using her superpowers, she said, well, if Jesus, I give you the stone to keep in your shoe with this story, it'll give you the confidence uh, to feel secure but really, she was like taking her mad superpower and imbuing the stone, uh, so somehow manipulating things so she could be of actual protection. Um, and but her brother just thought her brother was a little bit of a sleazeball. He said, "Jesus this is a great idea. I could probably sell this." Uh, and so he was trying to make money off of his sister's uh, system, not realizing that it wouldn't work. Uh, not only because of his personality, but because she had superpowers. Yeah, but he never figured that out. He he just like failed and saw himself as a failure, and then it it pays off when she's doing the same thing with his son and his Cub Scouts of selling these hand polished uh, bravery stones 
that like because she her deepest desire as a heroine a superheroine is to protect people so even if it means like bending things a little bit so it's like oh i'm gonna give you these bravery sim stones and they're tied to this parable and they're also a symbol of like working hard polishing it by hand you know that you can handle things uh, but in reality, she was also imbuing a little bit of courage in there, whatever. Okay, you sh- should hold this when you're, you know, feeling afraid or whatever, and it'll give you some confidence. But really, there was also a little bit of superpower in there, which is nothing wrong with that. But when people don't know that, like, uh, or especially her brother, you know, and this is your sister doing it, and your sister that you had to move in with and depend on, and they may, they didn't have a perfect relationship. So then he, when he figures out what she's been doing, you know, he, 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 he puts a spotlight on her. And that's kind of how the episode ended. So I guess for tonight we'll stop there. And then I guess like uh, I'll go, I'll try to get through like five more episodes next week. I didn't I realize, you know, I'd be, uh, you know, talking about, but that was cool. We talked about my hotel room and stuff. And that was the longest one. I don't have 28 pages of notes for any of the other ones. Yeah, it's funny how incomplete, how much I had to fill in uh, uh, when it finally, but but the raw material was there. I think it was like that the connective tissue, it's a lot easier to to tell the rest of the story with that connective tissue and seeing the, uh, just knowing, I don't know, maybe that makes sense. But thanks uh, for uh, listening again, and, uh, you know, I'll talk to you soon. Good night, and uh, uh, I hope you sleep, sleep well.